0: Hey folks, thanks for checking out Missio Church in Mount Iowa. You are listening to audio recorded at our Sunday morning service. If you'd like any more information on the gospel or would like to learn more about Missio Church, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/missio Mount Air. I love Genesis. So before I was in pastoral ministries, which I'm two years in, uh, so I got about like 50 reps in now, okay? So I think it was Spurgeon that said, A preacher doesn't hit his stride until about the 300th sermon, so I give myself a ton of grace, right? Um, Whether you want to or not, no. (laughs) It's between you and God. But yeah, I've been doing this for about two years. Before I was in pastoral ministry, I was in the construction scene. I was on job sites way more than I was in the church and way more than I was around God's people. And so to stay connected to God, I would listen to the audio Bible as I'm doing my thing, just in my ear. Uh, And Genesis is one of those books that I would go back to again and again and again. Uh, It's one of those books that I just felt like was so foundational. And then after Genesis, we're through Exodus, and it's like, okay, what Paul's saying in the epistles make a lot of sense. See, I didn't, I didn't get saved until I was like almost in my 20s, so I was a little behind the eight ball. But God, God showed up and changed my world. He flipped it right side up, and uh, man, that's a story for another time. But Genesis is one of those things that is just so foundational. Uh, if, we, if we can really understand its truths, like if we can understand the narrative and the, and the overarching themes in Genesis... Rest of the scripture just comes alive, right? You guys remember the creation story? Like at the beginning, what did God say? It is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. And then he's got, he got to humans, and he said, it is very good. And God placed them in that garden, and he had fellowship and community with the first humans, Adam and Eve. They walked with God. They talked with God like they recognized him, like walking. My wife says she recognizes me, too, in the morning because it sounds like an elephant is going through the house. I try to be <laughs> quiet, Right? But they recognized the footsteps and the voice of God. But then there was another voice that came into the picture. And that voice said, hey, listen, God, he's kind of he's holding out on you. Like, are you really sure? Can you really trust him? He just doesn't want you to have fun, right? He just doesn't want you to make your own destiny. He knows that if you did this thing, that you would truly experience freedom and joy. They were deceived, and they ate from the tree, they could have ate from the knowledge, the tree of life, right? But they chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then the fall. The fall happened, but God immediately started a plan of redemption. I'm not going to leave my fallen creation behind. He didn't turn his back on you and I, right? When we least deserved it, God stepped in, and he made a way, and that's his plan. So we're looking at that plan, the redeem, redemption plan, the restoration plan of God. He ain't done yet. Amen, church? Amen. And I get excited about that. So, <laughs> I'm, okay, I should preach my passage. Let, let me pray. Let me pray um, and then I want to read Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis 28, 10 through 22. Father God, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Father, for your kindness, for calling us to yourself and saving us, Father. We got to wake up this morning with the Spirit of God and dwelling us with purpose Worship, and Father, I pray that this time would be honoring and glorifying to your name. God, that we would ask, um, what, are, what is it that you're doing? What do I want to believe, need to believe more fully? And Jesus, will we walk away a little bit more like you this morning? In your name I pray, amen. Friends, will you open up your Bibles? Genesis 28, uh, 10 through 12. 22, sorry. 12 passages. Jacob left... Beersheba and went toward Haran and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun has set. Taking one of the stones of that place he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold there was a ladder set up on earth. The top reached the heaven and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold the Lord stood above it And he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lay, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in it, your offspring shall all your families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that name, that place, Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me the bread to eat and the clothing to wear so that I will come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be a God's house. And all of that I give, that he gives to me, I will give full, a full tenth. So reading God's words, friends. I'm, I'm going to move this down because I think it keeps popping all right, moving. Can you still hear me? Yes. All right, so this, this is the first dream that we have recorded in all of Scripture. This is the very first dream that we have, and we can learn so much from this dream that God gave Jacob and that he wrote down, he wrote down for you and I. Uh, this dream paints a beautiful and compelling and a crucial picture for all of God's people. You see, this dream that God gives Jacob unlocks this incredible understanding and insight that we ought to draw back on again and again and again, mainly his character, his nature, his his power, his promises, and his plan. Please hear me, Christian. This is a picture that we must draw from and come back again and again as believers. So we see a promise. For my note-takers out there, here's where I'm headed. We see a promise. Because God is a promise-keeping God, he's good even when we're not. He'll make a way even through the desert places, those hard places. And Jesus is the ultimate bridge between heaven and earth. That's where I'm going. So he's good even when we're not. Jacob needs, needs rescued. Like, here's, there's a tool when reading our scriptures called 2020. If we want a 2020 vision, then we look at where we're at, and then we got to go and ask the question okay, what happened 20 verses before this, and what happened 20 verses happening 20 verses after this? Sometimes you have to go a little further but we wanna be people of God that have 2020 vision, amen? Sometimes you go back a little further, and so as the reader, the first original hearer of this word, as it was like placed in their lap, I think Moses wrote it down, what would they have heard? They would have heard oddly similar comparisons between God's tower, God's stairway, and the Tower of Babel. You remember Babel in Genesis 11, right? This is like, this is awesome. I love this. The scriptures are amazing. So the intention for Babel was what? To reach to God, right? To prove yourself. Like we're going to work our way to God. We're going to get to him. We're going to try hard. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to be awesome. It was all birthed out of pride. But what does God give Jacob? This vision of, hey, here's a ladder, but it's not for you to climb. It's that I'm coming to you, right? I'm coming down to you. God opens the heavens and gives us a way to commune and fellowship with God. I love this picture. One is an earthly mentality. We got to do better. We got to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, right? We got to be somebody, try harder, get yourself cleaned up. Come on, guys. I've been in Iowa my whole life. I get it, right? (laughs) Pull ourselves up by, like, that's our mentality. And God's like, no, no, I'm going to flip that narrative on top of its head. You can't earn your way to God. None of us can. None of us are deserving Thus, Jacob, who is on the run to his mom's homeland, right? He is running. He's hightailing it. He's getting out of Dodge because his brother is wanting to kill him. If you remember, he lied and he deceived and he cheated and he manipulated his own father with the help of his mother. It's a messed up little situation we got going on here, right? Think, Think of like the family inheritance plus some. Jacob... Jacob just steals that for himself. You guys walked through it a couple weeks ago. If you remember, Esau was a man's man. Like, he's the guy, he's the dude, like, you go over to his house for some barbecue, and then you go down in the man cave, and he wouldn't have, like, one trophy buck. He'd have, like, ten trophy bucks, right? Like, he's a hunter and a gatherer. Jacob, he's just the smooth-skinned guy. I get it, right? (laughs) I still like to hunt and do that stuff. But anyways, like, he wasn't a man's man. He was more like, he's more like had the bronze, or the brains. Esau had the bronze. Uh, The Bible says he was very hairy. I read this and I think of the Hulk. Like he didn't have green all over, he had hair all over. Because Isaac is like, hey, Jacob, you don't sound like my son. Come a little closer, right? And he feels him. Oh, you feel like a goat. You smell like a goat. You must be Esau, right? (laughs) What a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) But here's Jacob. In front of his father, deceiving him, stealing the blessing, and he is on the run. And now he's in a desolate place. Like, he is alone. I can't imagine how afraid he must have been, like how scared. Like, he to could really kill me. If he gets his hands on me, he could kill me. I have a little brother, right? And he would mess things up, and he would get me riled up, and I would chase him through the house, and then somehow he'd get the door shut right before I got to him, right? <laughs> I imagine that's where these guys are at. He's ready to get his hands on him. What I love about the Bible is that it does not shy away from like the messiness of life, right? Anybody have a perfect family? Not me. <laughs> but God's grace, he's doing a work. And he's going to keep doing a work until he says it's complete. But these guys aren't a bunch of mentors. They're not necessarily even guys we shouldn't try to model our lives around. Like picture it. Hey, honey. Yeah? Taking the kids down to youth group. All right, Jacob and Esau are leading tonight. What? You know, like, no, no. They had family feuds. Jacob lied and manipulated his father, stole the family blessing. That's a no-no. His old brother wanted to kill him. Not good at all. But Jacob, as he's fleeing, as he feels alone, as as he's scared, got himself into a mess. He soon realizes he's not alone. He's not alone. Even though he's a long way from home on a difficult journey, Jacob had a dream, and this changed his life. I bet he didn't want to be here. I bet God uh, knew. I know God knew, right, the whole time his presence was going to be with him. He was never going to be alone. But he didn't know God was there until he woke up from the dream. God opens heaven. Like, what a gift this would have been to this man. How precious it must have been when Jacob realized, like in the den of this place, God's presence is with me. And how many times do we get ourselves in a mess? And the last thing we focus on is the presence and the goodness of God and his truth, right? We try to work our way out of it. We figure out our own way. We're on a journey. We're gonna get there, God, by our own energy, our own time, our own destiny. Quoting Spurgeon loosely here, imagine Jacob in that place, like hedges as his canopy, the sky, right, as a ceiling, the, the dirt as his bed and a rock as his pillow, but God as his companion, right? How good is our God? Jacob is fleeing for his life, but he's not alone. And here's the good news for you and I. Like for God to show up in that moment when he should not have experienced any kind of mercy, any kind of goodness or grace of God, he's present, he's near, he's evident. And here's what Romans says for you and I do you not know that it is the kindness of God that leads a person to repentance? Like when you least deserved it, do you know that the mercy and the grace of God wasn't, he wasn't holding out on you? Like he wasn't angry or bitter. Imagine what you would have said to Jacob if you were God. Hey, Jacob, you deserve this. You messed up big time, buddy. You deserve this mess, right? But God says, I'm with you. I will keep you. My presence will go before you. Stories like this, I don't know about you, but they like stir our desires for a new king and a new kingdom, right? And a new world, one where there's no more sin and no more selfishness and no more destruction and no more family feuds and lying and deceiving and manipulating. I don't know about you, but like it whets my appetite for a savior who's not like me, who has overcome sin and Satan and death and selfishness and is is victorious. And this is exactly what this... Scripture, or this, this uh, passage does for us. Here's how Hebrews put it. I want to read Hebrews to you. If you want to keep your finger where you're at, go to Hebrews four fifteen through 16. Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of God's grace with confidence, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. God's good, even when we're not. Second, he'll make a way even through the desert places, like his provision. Jacob lays down in a desolate place to sleep, right? Heaven opens up, touching earth, angels ascending and then descending. Did you notice that? Ascending and then descending. Hear me, church. God is involved with human affairs. Like God has not turned a blind eye. He's not like just up there reaming his hands. What are we going to do, Jesus? I don't really know. This is a pickle, right? Like God is and has been working. He is on the throne. We talked about it earlier. We sang. We prayed about it. Like God is involved and God is near. What a beautiful picture this gives us of our, our God, he has, and he will always be involved in human affairs. He's not distant; distant. He's not disengaged. He doesn't lack any resources. Heaven touches earth in this dream, right? We read angels ascending and descending. I want to. I just. I don't know about you. Like when you're reading, you're like, okay, why the angels, All right? It's a good question. What, what are these angels? Well, I found a couple of passages that really I think are. They serve. They obey God. They are his ministers, and they are mighty. Go to Psalms 103, 20-22. through, 22, 20 through 22. It says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones, you who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his workers, in all places of his dominion bless the lord o oh my soul i love that passage like is there anywhere on earth that the lord doesn't have dominion not according to this not according to this and he has workers he has ministers he has the the heavenly hosts at his disposal it's amazing angels are an army like they aren't they're not like some chubby rose cheeked little baby sitting on a cloud playing a harp, right, somewhere in la-la y- land. You and I don't become angels when we die, right? Daniel 7.10 lays out a vision like this for us. In the heavenly realms, it gives us this depiction of what it's like, like a massive colossal army, like at, at its at ready. Like picture like the armies of Mordor or the, or the armies in Narnia or like Endgame right? When all the Avengers come together, like massive army. Here it is. Daniel seven ten. Here's the vision. A stream of fired issue, issued and came out from him. That's God. A thousand thousands served him. The ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him and the court sat in judgment and the books were open. That's God's mighty angel army. Can you picture that? And here is jo- Jacob seeing this vision. Heaven opens, massive stairwell, angels ascending and descending, and, de- and God's standing over all of it, saying, oh, I have this all in con- under control. Like, I'm not lacking any resource, Jacob. You might try to figure this thing out on your own, but I am the Lord, and I will see it through to completion. Absolutely mind-blowing. Church, the same God is for you and I. The same God is for us. Jacob was traveling 500 miles by himself in a very desolate place. And what does the Lord say? Verse 13 to him. God said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. God is near. Like, where do you find yourself in this story this morning? Maybe you're on the mountaintop. Maybe you and God are doing great, and you feel awesome, and you're level 10 in your spiritual journey. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen? Thank him for those mountaintop experiences. But maybe you find yourself in more of a desolate place. Maybe it is your own doing. Maybe it's not your own doing. But you, like Jacob, you're in the wilderness and you're laying down and you're like, okay, God, I don't know what's next. He says, hear, hear these promises of God. You are not alone, I am near. I am with you. The God of a million angels, an army, says that I will see it to completion. What I started in you, I will finish. Like, that was a promise for Jacob, but we also know the New Testament, right? He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Is that not good news? This thing doesn't rely on Jacob. It doesn't rely on you and me. So, God is working even to this day. We often forget that reality. We often fall into these patterns and these habits and these ruts where we think we have to handle, like we have to take things into our own hands. We gotta turn this thing around and we lose sight of God and we stop trusting in uh, a promise-keeping God. Maybe you can relate. Jacob, he never prayed or consulted God, like he wasn't on some kind of epic journey where he was going out in the wilderness to get some really good quiet time and Bible time, prayer time with God. Right? And that's where God met him. How many times do we take things in our own hands and think, okay, God, if you do this, then I'll do this, instead of just resting and trusting. Like, it might sound like, I, want, I don't want to be an inconvenience. Right? I don't want to be an inconvenience to so-and-so. Like, God is busy. He doesn't have time for my problems. God helps them that help themselves. Right? I'm not worthy How can can God get me out of this mess that I've got myself into? Can he really forgive me for all the sins I've done? Like again and again and again. God wasn't afraid of Jacob and his mess. And he had a credible plan to turn it upside down. And Jacob's ladder turns all of that kind of thinking and that mentality on its head. God partners with broken people like Jacob and like you and me through all of the world for his glory. All Jacob did was lay down a rest, and God did the rest. I did a funeral for a pastor friend of mine in our church. Uh, his mother passed away earlier this year, and uh, she wanted him to do the funeral, but he just felt like he couldn't get through it. He just emotionally didn't think that he could have the strength and, and to get through it, and not understandable, right? And so he, I was really proud of him to reach out and ask for help, and it was a privilege to get to do uh, the funeral on the behalf of him and the family. But I'll never forget a story, as they were sharing a story, and I thought of, of this when I was preparing this week. Um, she was very independent. She wanted to take things in her own hands. She didn't want to inconvenience anybody. She's I got this, right? She loved reading. She was like an avid reader. And she lived on the second, second floor of an apartment, and she would go out, buy bookshelves to add to her growing book collection, right? But she couldn't call anybody to come help her. So she would disassemble every single piece of that bookshelf and carry it up piece by piece to the second floor. Well, guess what happened? When she tried to put it back together, she couldn't put the bookshelves back together. So then she would call her son. Hey, could you come help me? Like I, I got this bookshelf, you know, yeah mom, love to help you. And Steve was there. And I think like in the spiritual sense, like how true is that for you and I? Like we're like, I I got this. I don't want to be in inconvenience. I can manage this. I'll take this into my own hands. I'll make a way, and things are kind of in pieces, and we're wondering like, what what are we going to do? Like God, I know that you're the author of marriage. Like you, you divined this thing. This is your covenant. You man didn't make this up. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna manage my spouse the way I see fit, right? Or like finances. God, I know you own the, the cattle on a thousand hills. Like, I know that you have all resources at your disposal. But I think I'll just handle my, my, my money, my finances the way that I see fit, right? Or how about, like, this relationship? Oh, I know that they aren't a believer. Like, I'm trying to get close to God. I really want to grow. Um, but this person is really cute, right? And they're fun. But they don't know Jesus. God, I think I, think I can manage this, Right? And then then we're left wondering, like, why can't we put the pieces back together? But we serve a God, despite ourselves, despite Jacob, who's willing to partner with us and put the pieces back together. And he has a plan. He hasn't left any of us. God, I know you hold the universe in your hand, but I'll take care of this myself. That's pride, right? Right? We can't, we can't take care of these things ourselves. We're desperately in need of God's intervention to help us. And what a beautiful thing that is because he doesn't meet us there with finger wagging, you shouldn't have, be ashamed of yourself. He was nothing but kind to Jacob. And has he been anything other than kind to you? It is the kindness of God that leads a person to repentance. So the question is, what are you trying to manage yourselves what are you trying to manage yourself taking into your own hands your own thoughts your own resources what are you taking on that you need to place back into the hands of god would you do that this morning would you trust him you have nothing to prove just lay it down rest and the thing that you will find is that he's nothing but kind god knows that there's a gap god knows that we can't put the pieces together So God bridges that gap, and he sends Jesus to us as the gap. You're like, I don't see that in my text. Where are you going, pastor? Well, if you remember in John 1.50, Jesus quotes this passage. Jesus says that I am that ladder that Jacob saw. Like, I am the one that has bridged heaven and earth. I'm the one that has brought God's spirit, and I'm the one that has brought God near, and you near to God, right? Jesus is that bridge. Um, Well, sometimes, pastor, we we just make our bed, and we have to lay in it. Well, that's not what God said to Jacob. Verse 28, 17. When he woke up, here's what it says. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Like God bridges the gap and gives us his presence. He's the kind of God that makes a way when there isn't a way. He's the kind of God that sends and gives his best. Like he's the kind of God that doesn't hold out on us. Rather, he's the kind of God that sacrifices For us. And like I said, Jesus quoted this this passage. He said, Verily, 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 I tell you to one of his disciples, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is the ladder. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the gate. Jesus' earthly ministry. In John 10, he, he said that he is the door. I am the door. I am the way to the Father. How do you become the bridge? How do you become the bridge? To heaven and earth. It says that he stepped off of his throne with a million of angels and his armies. He stepped down and humbled himself, wrapped himself in flesh, and walked among us. Like Jesus lived the life that you and I ought to live. And he died the death that you and I deserve to die. And Jesus took on that that brokenness and the wrath of God so that you and I can experience the blessings and the goodness of God. He's the door. Amen? The sinless, guiltless Lamb of God was slain for the sins of the world. God made a way. He's the kind of God that makes a door, a door of new hope. Hear me, church, a door of new life, a door of new thinking, a door of new beginnings over and over again, a door of eternal life, a door of spiritual blessing, a door of redemption, a door of forgiveness and salvation. The door has a name, and he's willing to save anyone no matter their past or present circumstances. What's his name, church? Jesus. Jesus Jesus is the door. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And Jesus Christ is the one putting things back together. And he says, no more. There's a new way. Let's do it his way. Jacob, will you do it my way? (laughs) Will you just trust me? Well, guess what? I'm going to carry it out despite you. (laughs) Praise God for that. So in closing, here's what I want to do. I want us to respond to, um, not like Jacob responded to God's promises. You see, God promised Jacob, I am with you, I am the Lord. I will give you, I will bless you. I will see it through completion. And here's what Jacob says, if you look at verses 20 through 23. If, if God will be with me, I think he just told you he was going to be with you, and keep me in this way that I'm going, give me bread and clothing so that I can come back to my father's house. We have a spiritual inheritance and blessing from God, and we have a very worldly response to Jacob. One pastor said that when we place faith in Jesus, like, we get all of God. He's not holding out on us. But he doesn't necessarily get all of us, right? And God's going to take Jacob through a journey. You guys are going to continue to go through his story. And Laban, his uncle, might be a little bit more shysty than he is. Might be a, a, even a step above, if that's possible, a, on the swindler scale, <laughs> you know? And he's going to teach, God's going to teach Jacob a lesson through perseverance and suffering. But we don't have to learn the hard way, amen? So the application is, like, are you struggling, like, with a worker's mentality? Like, if you think about, like, the, the, the narrative of Babel and how we're going to make a name for ourselves, we're going to be great. Like, I have to earn it, Right? God helps those that help themselves. Can I just say, can you trust in God this morning that his work is finished and that it is enough? You don't have to prove yourself. Maybe you struggle with a runner's mentality, like Jacob. Fling from your problems, like I I have burdens and I I have this baggage and these struggles. I've learned to hightail it and run. We don't have to run from anything. Like, God sees it all, and he still is nothing but kind and wants to bless. Maybe you struggle with the skeptic mentality. Like, is God really at work in me? Like, will he see his completion through to the end? Like, has he forgotten us? Right? Look at the world around me. Things are a mess. God, where are you? Do you care? Are you near? The question to all those things are yes and yes and yes. Yes. That's why we have to go back to these stories, these promises, again and again and again. God makes a way, even in the desert, desolate places. Missio Day, I pray that you're encouraged. The Lord is at work even to this day. He started a good thing in us. And guess what? If he did it, if he started it, he'll see it to completion. Will you pray with me? God, I'm I'm thankful that we serve a promise-keeping God. Like one who has spoken and one who is able to carry it out. You have all resources, all knowledge, all power. Like you're not lacking anything, God. Would we rest and trust you? God, what you started in us, you'll see it through completion. In those times, God, where we're feeling like, gosh, I really messed up. I really blew it. God, Jacob did not deserve your blessing and your kindness. But you were nothing but kind and a companion. God, would we trust you? Would we not run or try to clean up or make things what they're not? You see it all as it is. Would we just trust that Jesus, you love us and it's that kindness that changes us and moves us to look more like Jesus? God, thank you for sending him to be near and be present. Lord, I pray that your face would continue to shine on these people. Every man, woman, and child, God, would your grace and your mercy and your face shine upon them? Would you lift them up, Father? Would you continue to strengthen and build them together in a spirit of unity? Would they live and model what it's like to follow Jesus as Christians in this world that live in a completely countercultural way, trusting you with our relationships, our our finances, our, our marriages, our careers, God, would we steward all these things for your glory and the good of others? God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.